רגע. פיפול, את רואה? פיפול. אוקיי, רצו... בעדינות. פיפול. פיפול. וואל איז לאב, וטיפה בזווית. הנה, סבבה, ככה. פיפול, פיקינג פפרס ביי דה פפר סטנד. וואל איז לאב. וואל, בואו נשמע את זה Thunderstorm. The first rain, significant rain. Uh, we had some rain about a month ago, but it, it's barely rained in six or seven months. And I just ate a lovely avocado toast. While you were watching John Oliver's take on the Hamas-Israel war. Okay, so we're just going to get into it. Time is really valuable, right? Two days ago, I misspoke. I said that it was going to be the beginning of the Jewish New Year on Sunday night, between Sunday and Monday. I was wrong. It actually happened last night. And now we're in a new Jewish month, the month of Kislev. Hanukkah happens this month. We'll get into that probably later, but I just wanted to do a little correction, if you will, um, because I'd misspoken. And... love to pick up the conversation from two days ago about those photojournalists. I just, you know, I have a confession to make. I'm a little messy. I write down all my stuff. Dor, Dor sees me. I scribble away with a pen before the episodes. Usually I write a little bit more calmly in the morning, the days leading between the podcasts. And then All this new news comes in and my, my brain is just firing away. For our loyal listeners, you, you might remember that I have great ideas in the shower too. And it's just wild. And then you sit down in front of the microphone and maybe you saw like the latest news stories five minutes before. And it's a little bit difficult. It's difficult to come up with like something that's very like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, when like every second there's like subparts coming in from the sides and from above and then there's new information. And so it's a little chaotic. So that's my confession. And now without further ado, I'd love to tack on To episode 22 in the conversation about the photojournalists that were in the ride-along with the terrorists um, on October 7th, that in addition to me just not buying the bullshit that they just like happened to be at the perimeter fence with all their gear at 6 a.m. ready to go, um, something else that I wanted to talk about and forgot, Dor... I know this because I asked you before we started recording, but you haven't seen Woodstock 99, the documentary on Netflix, right? I haven't. But listeners, I'm hoping some of you have. Woodstock 99, for those that remember, was a music festival, three-day music festival, late 90s, upstate New York, that was going to be this like re- recreation festival. of Woodstock 69, you know, peace and love. And now the kids of the 69 generation going off 
to their own rite of passage, drugs, sex, rock and roll, upstate New York, red hot chili peppers, a crazy lineup. It was supposed to be amazing, right? Peppers, red hot chili pepper. Watch out with your P and B, building, pepper, okay? Okay. It's afterwards in the editing room, it's like taking a lot of time. Red hot chili peppers. Perfect. Red hot, red hot chili peppers, picking them by the... Okay, I'm, I'm really working on it. Okay, so good lineup. Great lineup. Teenager. Oh, we're coming out of the movie American Pie, Fight Club. We have like a whole teen consumer culture, lots of like binge drinking, hookup culture. It was nightmarish to live through. I really don't want to go back to that time, but I've, I feel like we will be seeing a revival of early 2000s as a separate window. Anyway, getting back to Woodstock 99, it ends up being fucking zoo, like a fucking zoo. Fires, rapes, riots. There was enough water. There was like, it was just mayhem. We're not going to talk about Woodstock 99. Why am I even bringing it up though? I had this flashback over the weekend and I was like, oh my God. In episode one, it's a three-part series on Netflix. In episode one, towards the end, there's this like mini interview clip with the guy who was the segment producer for the pay-per-view, pay-per-view special that they had over on HBO of Woodstock 99. So if you wanted to go to the festival, it was like $150 for the three-day but if you didn't want to go to the festival and you wanted to watch it from the comfort of your own home, you could do that. You would just spend $60, you know, like back in the day when there was pay-per-view and that's how you would watch like a boxing match. And this was, you know, way before like YouTube, social media, all this stuff. Great. So the segment producer for the pay-per-view show says, I had no rules. There, were, there was no like limits to what I was allowed to do. And what we did is that we just like went out there and collected the craziest footage. And like, we were just sending beta tapes back like of crazy fucking footage. Cause what happens, and he describes it there, that when they put the video camera in front of these teenagers and like young 20 somethings, crazy shit unfolded. It's like you put the video camera there and people just up the ante on how wild they can behave. Like we're talking girls showing their tits to the camera, people like slapping each other's asses, but like more and more and more and more and more stuff. Like it just became outrageous. And I had this flashback about it this weekend, you know, that I don't think it's an, I haven't seen anyone really talking about this. Like we can get into all these debates about like, did these photojournalists know? Did they not know? Did CNN know or whatever? Or like, oh, they were just like riding along, which by the way, if you're just riding along with your buddies and they go rob a bank, even if you're unarmed and one of them is like, hey guys, I brought a gun along and shoots up everyone. You're all going to be on the hook for fucking murder. That's how the law works. Um, but this whole conversation of like, Oh, did they know? Did they not know? Maybe they were just there. What could they have done? Oh, I have something crazy to, to suggest. I don't think it was a matter of could they have done anything? I think that the presence of those video cameras made the terrorists 
feel like they were gods. It wasn't going to be enough that they were going to be these martyrs and meet 72 virgins or whatever the fuck they believe in. And it wasn't enough that we have phone calls, literally recorded phone calls between some of these fucks and their moms and dads where they're like, mom, open the phone, see the evidence. I sent you you know, pictures to your WhatsApp, open WhatsApp, open WhatsApp. I, I I killed Jews with my bare hands. Look, look at me, mom. Look at me. They were so fucking proud of it. And their parents are like, Walia, like fucking inshallah, hallelujah, akbar, all this fucking crazy shit. But I'm, you know, I'm saying that these cameras there, these video cameras, this like really nice gear in front of these, these sick fucks made them feel not only like they were important, but like they were superheroes. They were like the people that they see in Hollywood movies, like that they were the good guys in their sick, twisted fantasy. And now they had all this power behind them to keep going. And it doesn't end there. You would think that it would end there, but how, how could we think that it would end there? How could we think that CNN doesn't know what they're doing as if this isn't like tabloid shit? It's also bringing to mind Princess Diana. Does anyone remember the Princess Diana, Diana story and the tunnel in Paris? Why was there a car accident? Oh, maybe because it was like a million fucking paparazzi just chasing them down and then their, their car gets into a crash and they die. Is there no limit? So is CNN effectively... Is the New York Times and Reuters and AP, are they more like tabloids than we would think? And what is really going on? What, what is this exactly? They, they talk about in the Wikipedia article that the revenues from the pay-per-view special for Woodstock 99 is $30 million. Do you know how much ticket sales were? $60 million. That means half of the revenues from the sale of tickets was just from the fucking pay-per-view special. That's insane. That's insane. They were making money off of creating this. And in Wikipedia, they say that um, the pay-per-view special fell into this category of journalism called Vox Pop, which is like essentially where you're like broadcasting popular opinions. And if anyone had any doubt that that's where we are on the timeline, that's definitely where we are. It's like popular opinions, the majority at school, whatever, like that is what's winning right now even that John Oliver special, which we could devote an entire hour to nitpicking. Can we? Good point, I must say. I think when I study communication, one of the courses, the headline was Did Chaim Yavin, which is like He's like the Walter Cronkite of Israeli media, right? He's like the respected anchor, journalist, dude, person. And one of the articles in this specific course, the headline was, Did Chaim Levin is blame of existence of terror? Because they say, if you give a stage, you give them like a stage to say, we are take responsibility for the terror. If you will not like put it on news, and they could not like, like terror and media go hand in hand, you know? Like I can speak about it more, but not in English. Mm, okay. But so whoever <laughs> got the point, got the point. And who's not, it's okay. I do. I do really. I want to say something about John Oliver, please. Okay. Let's speak about it. Just, just I'll do, I'll try to keep it true. You start with the bed and then I will say maybe something a little bit 
different. I really hope to God you don't justify it. Listen, John Oliver in 2021 came out with his whole like shtick about what was going on here in the conflict. And it was so one-sided that Israeli satirists, for anyone that's interested, just, you know, Google Israeli satirists take on John Oliver 2021. There was a response videos in English by Tom Aron and by Lior Schlein to like late night satire um, comedy hosts, like the equivalents of John Oliver and John Stewart essentially here. And they really took him apart. Tom Aron was like, yo, I, I wish that I had the level of privilege that you have, John, to speak so confidently about something on the other side of the world that you have no idea about. Because that was such a biased segment that he ran two years ago. And then in the past month, I was like, I felt a little calm because I said, we haven't heard anything from John Oliver. We haven't heard anything from John Oliver. And I had other things I wanted to talk about today. But no, John Oliver had to fucking release a 30-minute segment about the Israel-Hamas war. And now I don't have enough time to get into all the points, but God, do I want to so badly. Oh, where do I even begin? First of all, first of all, you know what's missing from the John Oliver segment? I'll talk about what's missing first because I'm sure that our listeners are going to watch it. What's missing? He doesn't even mention the mobs of anti-Semites. And, you know, just for the point of exercise, we'll separate them from the pack. The anti-Semites, Zionists that are not anti-Semitic or whatever the fuck, that are running around campuses and cities in North America, including New York City, right now, the past month and a half, the people that are tearing down the posters of kidnapped on the NYU campus, all of these different student groups that are coming out, even the student bar association at Rutgers was basically shut down by the Rutgers administration for being too anti-Semitic in the past few days. So he doesn't mention any of that stuff. He mentions over and over again, he's this time he comes out and and it's even more nefarious than last time because last time it was blatantly biased, but this time he's like, Oh no, I'm going to be I'm going to be like more impartial and less biased. But it's actually more damaging when you do that because it's you can get away with murder, you can get away with sneaky sneaky stuff and he he's in that 30 minute segment he's like blaming all these different parties for the violence that we have on the table, but he forgot to mention a few very important parties for the level of dehumanization of the peoples here. And that includes himself. That includes these shows. That includes, you know, his show and a bunch of the other people that are wilding out and like making money and getting viewership based on this continued like us versus them black white narrative shtick that he keeps pulling together. He says, oh, it's not that difficult to hold two concepts at the same time. Then why haven't we heard a word about the anti-Semitism going on or the attacks or the death of Paul, the murder of Paul Kessler, the, the, the peaceful protester who was just holding an Israeli flag in the middle of the day on a sidewalk in LA before he was beaten upside the head with a megaphone and succumbed to the injuries and died the next day within the last two weeks. Not a word about that. He talks about collective punishment of Israel versus Palestinians. What about the collective punishment of Israelis and Jews around the world? At the hands of this stuff, he mentions all sorts of stuff. Like he says, Israel is bombing relentlessly. The definition of relentlessly is without cessation, 
Well, that's just not true because guess what? Unlike Hamas, which just broke in to our country, infiltrated, not just like 19 people like on 9-11, 3,000 of them. You know who didn't get a warning? Like the IDF gives 24 hours, three weeks, whatever, warning to everyone in these buildings before they bomb. And um, you know who didn't give a warning? The Hamas terrorists when they came into the kibbutzim, when they came in to the fucking music festival. Not a word was mentioned about the music festival, by the way, John Oliver. Um, they didn't get any warning. They didn't get any advance warning. Um, there was, I listened to audio recordings today, conversations between the IDF and people at the hospitals, like Gazans at the hospitals in the Gaza Strip today, where they were saying, let's get, we're going to get you incubators for the babies. We're going to get you respirators, whatever you need. You show me another country in the world that is in a war that it didn't start, that is taking medical equipment from its own hospitals and bringing it, risking soldiers' lives to bring it to, to civilians. And we're still getting attacked. There's, there are IDF soldiers right now that are dying and, and getting wounded seriously with, with losing legs, losing arms, losing an uncountable, unspeakable trauma that they're going to bring home from this, okay, to just more safely extract. There's not a mention about the humanitarian corridor that the IDF opened in the past week. And why was it only open in the past week? Because we had to surround the northern part of the strip in order to procure a corridor. So where else are you going to see an IDF tank with all of these Palestinians holding white flags. He put um, a clip of a young boy in Gaza saying, oh yeah, it's absolute shit. You know what he didn't put? He didn't put the clip that I saw a few days ago from like a Lebanese television channel where they found like an eight-year-old girl and they asked her, oh, what do you think of all the people like protesting on your behalf abroad and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, you're helping keep Hamas in power. Not a fucking word about that. And he's at the end of this whole 30 minute shtick, you're like, why is he telling me this stuff? Where is this going? And he's like, look, I don't really have solutions. And there's a lot more that I want to get into. Like if anyone wants, just DM me, I'll give you the whole thing. But like he's saying at the end that he's pro ceasefire, even though there's so many people that are saying ceasefires. And there was a ceasefire, by the way, on October 6th that Hamas violated. Ceasefire is only going to help them re-up their armaments, their supplies. They're keeping the fuel that we've brought in from their people in their hospitals. They're using human shields. All of this has been proven. Everyone agrees. The UN still can't condemn the October 7th attacks. John Oliver says he wants to side with humanitarian groups, which have all just Google scandals and each one of their names, and you'll find a, a, a treasure trove of bullshit. But to make matters worse, this guy, this fucking cad, or to quote the Gen Z slang of the day, a simp, sorry, a simp with a, a less of on the P, okay? Um, he- okay, You must- you must finish this. I am. Segment. I'm finishing. I'm getting to the end. He goes, oh yeah, everyone should just talk. Everyone should just talk. What, what does he suggest we do? That we release all the terrorists that are in the jails right now and then just give them back so that we can get back the babies or maybe the nine month, the, the, the woman who just gave birth in captivity, or maybe the women that were raped and, and possibly have STDs right now that are what quote unquote getting care. What kind of care are they getting there right now? Nobody even knows the red cross completely abandoned ship on our people like they did incidentally during the Holocaust. But to make matters worse, he's making fun of everyone, 
he's making fun of TMZ in this clip, but he's not making fun of himself. He has zero self-awareness. He is fueling this nanana energy of people running around thinking they're so self-righteous that they know best about what's going on. And at the end of the day, the really sick fucking thing is that you know 100% going back to a metaphor, an example that I've brought earlier about 9-11, if those first responders had come and they had taken fucking kidnapped people, brought them back to New Jersey, it would be like a bunch of people on the other side of the world saying, oh, you know, release Osama bin Laden, release all those, release the, release thousands of those terrorists that you, you managed to like capture and all this shit and neutralize. And by, by the way, we didn't even kill all 3000 that infiltrated. They're like getting meals and water and there's video footage of them. They're being treated humanely, not like in Guantanamo Bay. Um, and then it, it would be like us protesting and saying, release them, release Osama bin Laden to get the babies back, release them. What happened to moral hazards? Where are we on this timeline? Where the fuck is this going? Every day I'm losing more brain cells. <laughs> and now you have something good that you want to say? There's something good you want to say to justify John fucking Oliver? I didn't even get to say all the points. There's like 20 pages of paper that I'm just throwing around your apartment right now. I'm so irate. I'm just like... <sighs> First question is, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. I don't have the political knowledge or the proper English to chasing about what he says. He speaks really fast. I didn't understand everything, but I want just to say two positive things. Like, I'm on your side. And of course, it seems that he speaks just one side. He didn't show the both sides story. But two things that I'm taking for from his um, shtick, <laughs> like you say. First of all, I love the thing that he says. He showed the circle of like something happened, then the other sides react in like more extreme way, and then more people suffered. The, he showed this circle. I agree that right now, I don't know if what is the solution. Yes, someone needs to go there and do the job and kill Hamas. But yeah, totally all of us going to suffer more. This is, I think, a good claim. And the, and the second thing I like is that he gives a lot of criticism about the government. He shows that more of the public, like the, the real people from Israel, is against the government. We are not agree with everything that's going on, even before October 7th. This is important to say out loud, isn't it? It's super important. Going back, I want to I discuss your two points, and I'm really grateful that you brought them up, seriously. Because the first one about, like, who's going to dismantle Hamas? Like, last night, Piers Morgan invited Jeremy Corbyn, former head of the Labour Party, who's referred to Hamas there's some debate about this, but he was like, oh, my friend's from Hamas, blah, blah, blah. Well, he was like in some sort of government meeting once. And he's, does uh, Jeremy Corbyn, it's like a whole episode within itself. And, and Piers is just like, are you willing to say that Hamas is a terrorist organization? And Jeremy Corbyn is not willing to. He's just like hedging, blah, 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 blah. blah. And the other guy on the show who like kind of agrees with Jeremy Corbyn is just like, well, yeah, of course. And like, yeah, Hamas has to go. Like people are like, Hamas has to go. You know what's, what kills me is that 
John Oliver like pretends there at the end, like, oh, a ceasefire. A ceasefire is what we need. Oh, it's like a brilliant, we need to talk. We need to sit around and fucking talk as if we haven't been talking this whole fucking time. As if we hadn't had rounds of negotiations with like actual negotiations experts and game theory people and like that there haven't been like, listen to Clinton talk about this shit, Camp David, all this stuff. Like it's exhausting to have to like go through this over and over again. But at the end of the day, Hamas has to go. And everyone is in agreement that like, even John Oliver says like 80% of the strip doesn't want Hamas. No shit, they don't want Hamas. Hamas doesn't let like people that aren't members of Hamas in the Strip get medical treatment like people that are part of Hamas. They can't get jobs. They're they're shut out of like the entire economy there. But you know what the, the sick fucking thing is? Is that at the end of the day, Hamas is gonna go and it's gonna go because of this fucking war and the people that are gonna be free. Like some of the video footage I saw this week of the people that are on those like humanitarian corridors with like the IDF soldiers, like, taking them to safety. They're just smiling at the IDF soldiers. They're like saying, thank you. And I was watching this over and over again, sobbing. There are people like my niece and nephew risking their lives right now in the strip. Their friends are not going to come home with them. I'm praying that they come home themselves. I'm praying that everyone comes home. But Hamas isn't just going to go away because a bunch of people who are sitting on their fucking moral high horse are like, Hamas, let's just talk, kumbaya, like, let's go. As if we haven't tried that, as if this is a novel approach. It takes a new level of privilege combined with audacity to even come and at, at people who have been working at it on the ground here, protesting, going in, paying taxes, voting, voting, voting. We had five elections over and over again. And to tell us like, Oh, have you guys tried talking? It's like, it defies decency. Yes, but this is like the right um, path to go. Like what we're doing right now. Uh, there has to be a war. Look, in the 30s, like we talked about this in episode, I don't remember which episode, 13 maybe, but it was like, what was going on in the, like Hitler didn't just show up in 1939, right? Hitler was around for like, over a decade and there were peaceful protesters and there was this concept called appeasement theory. If any of our listeners want just Wikipedia that, that's a, that's a fun little read. They were like, ooh, we're just gonna try to be like really chill with Hitler and then he's gonna like disappear. Did he disappear? No, he didn't fucking disappear. How did they get rid of the Nazis? With a war. It would be like, can you imagine that wild World War II was happening? You had social media and all this stuff and people were like, no, the Allied troops need to stop and blah, blah, blah. And like, let's just pull back from, no one was doing that. And, and they probably would have if they would have had these platforms now. But the really fucking fucked up irony is that in 10 years or whenever Steven Spielberg himself, who has not said a fucking word yet, him and his foundation, they haven't said anything, Dor. Can you believe it? Spielberg, who did Schindler's List, who has a foundation about the Shoah. Nothing has been said. John Oliver, by the way, put Holocaust and Nakba in the same sentence, which was such a fucking insult. Didn't even mention the expulsion of Jews from Arab lands, including my nephew's yes, family. But, 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 but. No, know, there's, there's no but. The, there's no there but. There is the, I don't know if it's in Hebrew, but uh, the, this cliche saying about on the road, like um, with your car. Why oh, I love it that through all this episode, there is like rain sound and thunder. It's super romantic. Thunder. Ah, <laughs> I feel like I'm lightning and you're thunder maybe, or my thunder and you're lightning. No, they say in the road, be smart. Don't be righteous. Be smart. 
Yes, something like that. So what would be righteous here? נכון, אבא שלי אומר את זה כל הזמן. I feel you and I hear the thing that you say every time you speak in this voice. It's mean like, I know you're right. It's mean someone is misjudged or don't see the whole picture. But it will not help me to prove something, someone this John Oliver, like, I don't care of John Oliver. I just want to be here and live a good life. I just want to hope that my children, not as me, will, you know, go a- and raise them maybe more like, not like a Palestinian, which do it in really dark way, but also raise them as warrior, as, hey, guys, you need to go to the military. You guard your family. You don't, like, kill civilians, but you're also soldiers, you know? When he says this circle of it will be more extreme, like the reaction will be more extreme and more people will suffer, I think he's right. And I don't know. I don't have a solution. I don't have a solution. But I just want to say, But if it- we will go there and kill everyone, I have the feeling that We can but do who this. said that, that that's what we we're doing? Do we're not going there and killing forever. everyone. But hold on, we're not going in there and killing everyone. There was a, not, there was not all, everyone. It's no, not like, but we're, but it's we're not, not. Like the show it. No, but that's 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 the narrative they're trying to pull. The, at the same time, you have. But that's as I say, hold I don't, on. I don't, I don't care about the narrative. I care about. We could just live in how can you say that the narrative doesn't matter at the same time you have people from Hamas leadership saying we don't give a fuck about our people the whole point is that they need to be martyred the tunnels are for us to keep ourselves safe they're not for our kids underneath the Israeli hospitals by the way Barzilai and Ashkelon was bombed on three separate occasions including the maternity ward but why weren't any Israeli babies killed but, because we put our fucking you, incubated babies in the basement keep, and they put their fucking weapons in basement your voice invest your voice through outside people listen to us this is what's happened like p- please understand I don't want them to understand uh, uh, Aviv Geffen which is like kind of like the Israeli Taylor Swift or something wrote in his uh, Instagram that he spoke with Coldplay and asked them to say in the end of the concert that they support um, Israel uh, while they um, playing the song Fix You. Who fucking cares? Hold by on. The way, by the way, this song is not so good. But the narrative, I'll tell you why the narrative matters. The narrative matters because right now, like to say, oh, I, and it's an interesting question, right? Like when we talk about wellness, when we talk about healing, right? We talk about how important it is, where you put your attention, where you place your attention is what's going to like really influence your day to day, right? Like if I wake up in the morning and I place all of, you know, my energy and what I'm looking at and the, the inputs that I'm getting from the outside world on the really dark shit, I'm going to have a dark time, right? So like by controlling the things that I see and by changing my surroundings, right? Like I, I change myself, but I'm just saying like, there is no luxury of that. We are tied up with each other for the people that still don't get that the like Israel Hamas thing is part of a bigger picture like involves China and Russia and the corridor and Saudi Arabia and peace and like the West, or that there are Jewish bodies who are being placed in danger 
abroad because of the rhetoric online, on social media, on shows like like John Oliver. To say ceasefire and to do it so violently, here's one of the big ironies is that a lot of these protesters are saying from the river to the sea, right? They're, they're holding up these ceasefire now signs. They're saying from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, which is a call for genocide. John Oliver doesn't mention it once. He's throwing his weight with the ceasefire camp without giving them any criticism but, whatsoever but about how I... they're doing it. And why do I care so much? You know, friends of mine have asked me, why do you care about what's going on on social media? Why do you care about what's going on on TV? And it's, it's because of a few things. One, the people that are fighting the good fight feel demoralized. They feel like nobody gets us. Like the people that have been protesting against Bibi's government, for instance, for 40 fucking weeks in a row, getting water cannon at close range, all the stuff that we've been going through this year. And in recent years, in 2020 in Belfort, I was water cannon at close range in Jerusalem, which is, you know, it's like, it looks like, oh, it's just a stream of water. It's not just a stream of water. My friends found me sobbing in a park close by. I, you know, so first of all, you feel demoralized and then you feel like you wake up in the morning. What's the point? All these people, no matter what, they're not going to get my story. But the second thing is USAID. USAID matters. We need USAID because we're out here fighting a fucking fight, not just for ourselves, for all of you guys that don't even want to wake up, that don't, the luxury of being in the States. To, John Oliver brings up, oh, well, they were propping Hamas up. What, you think the US government hasn't literally overthrown foreign governments and propped up other governments? Take a look at the 20th century. Take a look at the 21st century. Look at Guatemala, look at Iraq, look at Afghanistan, look at the Congo, look at Gaddafi. Just take a look. This isn't a novel concept. How come the rules of engagement are different for us? <sighs> you know, I feel like I keep mucking it up. I feel like there's like there's a there's an organized fashion to go about this, but I don't have a team of 25 people that have like the production skills to do like, you know, how many people work on John Oliver's show? It's like 20, 30 people at least. And then they have the video editor and they have the people and they write the things and then they have the gear and the equipment. We're just like two fucking people in your apartment. And then I'm supposed to like get it all together and do it fast and watch the Piers Morgan and see the IDF spokesperson thing with Hagali and like see the whatever and look at social media and what it's day 39 of the war and my tits are still more of a threat to Instagram than than the social media comments. There we go. Day 39 and my tits are still more of a threat than some of the stuff calling for me to be killed. So I guess that's the end of this episode. Tune in. <laughs> Keep staying tuned in. Which song are we doing? Credits. Thank you to Shema, Jonathan Gall, Maya Schlesinger, Dor Comet. I'm Amy Sapan. Thanks so much for listening. Stay safe. Stay tuned.
background of this chords. You can say everything you want to John Oliver and Alawakbar. John, I really don't see how you think that you're fueling peace when all you seem to be doing is fueling hate. You're British. Someone yesterday at the bar said, in the evening, they said, you know, I, I really, at the end of the day, as much as I'm annoyed with the Brits, I, I'm, I'm grateful for British mandatory Palestine. But you know what? My family in Hungary that died in the war wasn't super grateful, neither to the Nazis that occupied Hungary in March of 1944, or British Mandate Palestine that came out with the white paper the same week, banning emigration to Palestine. Effectively a death sentence for one million Jews there. Figure out your fucking white savior guilt complex shtick do it somewhere else. If you want to be an entertainer, be an entertainer. Don't do this whole thing where you're like, oh, I'm different than TMZ, but I'm not quite CNN, and I don't have a solution, but I'm going to take a stand and basically prop up a whole group of people who have been violently taken to the streets. Because even though they're coming for us, you're not safe either, man. I wish you well, I really, really do. But don't you dare come after me and my crew. Lights will guide you home and ignite your bones. And I will try to fix you